I need rooms for my 1,500 dogs. We're against it, comrade. I like the idea of having an aristocracy petting zoo. He seemed like a badly programmed robot. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's finding out what it means to be masters and servants. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. Awful. Fancy saying a thing like that. I don't like it when you do a Lord O.C. impression, Tom. It <laughs> makes my vagina dry up. I don't like watching the fellow, but this is where we're at. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. We hope you've had a good two weeks. We are going to hold off on uh, telegrams from the cousins and all that fun stuff because we have a guest with us today, Hooray. all the way from Los Angeles, California. We have comedian and writer Guy Branham. Hello, Kelly and Tom and listeners. <laughs> Hello, and you can call them cousins. We're all family here <laughs> on Up Yours Downstairs. <laughs> um, really, I don't know if I want to admit to them as relations. Okay. I don't know if they can pass in society. Oh, our listeners are very up on their etiquette. Some of them may be solicitors, though. Imagine me being related to a solicitor. I would imagine some of them can't hold their knives like a gentleman. <laughs> Anyway, you may have uh, seen Guy. He was a writer and panelist on Chelsea Lately on the E! Network. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Guy Branham. He's also following us, and we're following him. And we're all just following each other, so you can... It's true. You can figure it out. You can just trace... Trace the interactions. I was very excited to hear that you were doing this as um, those boys over at Boys Goran Swords tend to get absolutely everything that has to do with uh, titles and modes of address wrong. And I really yes. liked that there was uh, a podcast that is taking modes of address seriously. We take it very seriously. Yeah. We actually, next next podcast, we have uh, sort of an addendum from one of our expert cousins, Cousin Beckett, sent us some corrections. Oh, lovely. Um, yeah. No, they're great, the cousins. Yeah. They do so much of our work for us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, before we start, uh, would you like to tell us your Downton Abbey origin story and how you came to Downton Abbey and to love the beauty that is Maggie Smith? Um well, uh, I'm a homosexual man, which means that I'm friends with a middle school Latin teacher um, <laughs> who told me, like, one of one of the moms of his children was like, we're watching this thing on PBS. It's awesome. And he had watched all of it online. And so I started watching it online. And it was like halfway through the first season. And I just fell in love because, mm-hmm. like... That period of time, like, I am obsessed with, like, Mitford sister biographies and just, like, my, my undergrad, like, uh, I was an undergrad, a history major, and my focus was on sort of the, the 19th and 20th century, uh, Britain. And so, like, I liked it a lot. I liked that people were insulting each other, um, <laughs> by, by criticizing, like, their, their improper references to the, the daughter of a peer. Like, the, uh, yeah. the, the moment in the second, like, that's just what I live for. It's like, <laughs> it's Lady Rosamond. Like, mm-hmm. fuck you, dude. You don't know what you're doing. And, <laughs> and I had loved Gosford Park, uh, and I just, like, this is a show that's about British real estate law. It is a show that's about British real estate law. <laughs> Like all true uh, great British stories, it can only be resolved by cousins marrying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and like there, a dowager countess is at the center of it. Yes. Also, I have to tell you, if there's one thing about Downton Abbey that made me love it the most, it was just the fact that their last name 
and their title are not the same. Just to add that little extra, like, fuck up for Americans not getting (laughs) the difference between Crawley, Grantham. And it's just, to me, the only great tragedy is that we don't have a male heir there so that we can have, I believe it's... uh, Marquis Downton or whatever their courtesy mm-hmm. title is. I want someone to get that courtesy title because that's the shits. Well, if uh, Mary gets her baby maker revved up, <laughs> it could be sooner than you think. They renewed this thing for five seasons. You know that, right? It's crazy. Yes, five seasons, which will mean 19 episodes. No, well, um, I, I, I don't know. Maggie Smith still hasn't signed on, I don't think. I'm, I'm worried about that. Like, oh, you guys were just both saying – we were just talking about the fact that you guys are from Ohio. Mm-hmm. I don't know – how I feel about finding out that Lady Cora is a Jewess from Ohio. She's from Cincinnati, my hometown. Yeah. Like, when they made her a buccaneer, like, that was one of the things... <laughs> um, like, one of the things I really loved about it was Julian Fellows clearly has such a nuanced sense of this world mm-hmm. and that he made her a rich American. I was like, these dudes know what they're talking about. This is super fun. When I realized she was going to be Jewish, I got super excited and then was like... Really? You expect me to believe that uh, Violet, the Dowager Countess of Grantham, allowed her her son to marry a Jewess? Right. Well, we've been talking about it on yeah. Twitter. Uh-huh. And I don't know. I'm curious because it is Shirley MacLaine. Yes. And it's going to be awesome. I know. I'm so excited. Like, I just, uh, I, I, I mark off an X on my calendar every day. Uh, except that we don't have a premiere date yet, yes. so it's an on, it's a perpetual calendar. Understandable. But, uh, I'm, I'm curious if the friction between them, cause there was a, a leaked scene or they did something at like the TV Land Awards or something. And like it was, it was, uh, Shirley MacLaine facing off with Maggie Smith and, and they were both very like haughty and dismissive of each other. So I'm, I hope that the religious aspect of it is a central conflict. Um, I don't, it just seems like so much and it seems like something that just wouldn't have been discussed then. Mm-hmm. What? I, I don't, and also I don't know if it's, if it's canon that we got what Cora's uh, maiden name was. I just saw it off of like a website or something oh. like that. Um, Levinson. Yes, Levinson, which there's, I mean, I don't believe there are Gentile Levinsons. Uh, <laughs> I have yet to meet one. <laughs> if you're listening and you're a Gentile Levinson, tweet at Guy Branham. Yes. He would like to make your acquaintance. Yes. Um, <laughs> But that's going to be awesome. I feel weird about the fact that Sybil married the chauffeur. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's weird. How are we ever going to, to get reconnection with her? Are either of you solidly Team Edith? Because I know some people who are Team Edith. We are not. We used to have a segment called Fuck You, Edith. It wasn't really a segment. But we look, we, you know what? A, a on, the second, on the second watch through... We liked her a lot more. Yeah. It's much easier to sympathize with her. I think once you've gotten past sort of, you know, Julian Fellows' archetype that he's throwing at yes. you. And we just want her to have a love interest that's not like maimed 47. or impotent. <laughs> like 40, We take 47. <laughs> um, oh, God. Bullshit pretender to the title was like maimed pretender to the title oh was God. just so it's like from a movie from the 40s. Right? Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ah, and just and then there was not even any like revel, like resolution. No. And this is again where you just have to have somebody like you need a handler for Julian Fellows because he'll just go down these stupid melodramatic rabbit holes. The first season was so tight and mm-hmm. now he's taken us through like how many years? He's taken us like through like six or seven years. Lady Mary is going to start going through menopause. That's what I was going to say. Like they <laughs> yeah. better jump on it immediately. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, just I just think you know the whole issue that I'm looking at with them is like, oh, you just renewed us for many more seasons after we just settled 
the central conflict of the story, mm-hmm. and that's all kind of resolved now. Like, what what are what are they supposed to do at this point? Well, I mean, the nice thing is, is that like. <laughs> The British aristocracy is in for a good ride for the following it's 20 true, years. It's true. It's true. Well, um, and it would be interesting if they did something similar to what they did with the new upstairs, downstairs, where it, I think, is supposed to be the same group of people. Yeah. Yet it's set, like, in the 30s versus Edwardian times. So it would be interesting if, you know, because I know um, Dan Stevens, who plays Matthew, uh-huh. is not confirmed to come back. Maggie Smith is not confirmed to come back. There's all these people who are kind of hedging their bets. Uh, but just bring Matthew in- and his squishy face is thinking he can get another job. Right? <laughs> like, you know, Edward Ferris doesn't come along every day, Dan Stevens. <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, if they just did it and then, like, you know, kind of like, you know, Downton Abbey, the next generation yeah. kind of thing, that could be interesting because then that could take you through, like, the Blitz and World War II and sort of how's the family's fortune changed. Well, I, one of the things I was thinking about is that it's a little bit sad that no one's going to be the right age to really enjoy the 20s. Um, because, They're all married and or spinsters. Yes. Yeah. And nobody's been making any babies. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure he'll find some bullshit soap opera answer to it, but the the show is at its best when it's being some feeling like something more than a soap opera. Exactly. How do we feel about the terrible, terrible political conservatism that Julian Fellows brings to everything? We uh, we're against it, comrade. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there there is something awesome about it. We are all participating in this show that's about this family just having this huge house, and I think that there is something awesomely dickish but in a good way about saying to (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mary, look, you can either be a little princess of a castle or a woman who wants the equal rights of men. Yeah. Um, But you're, you, you don't get this house. You don't get this title. This system has a place for you. You need to accept it or move outside Mm -hmm. of it. And to some extent, like Sybil has taken the only tenable. Yeah, I mean, route. you know, Mary. Mary fortunately fell in love with her cousin and wound up in the having her cake and eating it too yes. position. <laughs> right, but I think that you know the the beauty of uh, art in general, narrative in general, is that it kind of like you can't conservatism can't fight it too much mm-hmm. because yeah. he wants to be conservative and he wants everybody to stay the same. But as a writer. He has to have everybody changing and progressing. Yes. And so he's always undercutting his own conservatism, you know, almost, you know, without being able to help himself. Because conservatism isn't a good story. It just presumes that everything's on the right tracks. And however much he wants us to think that, like, he does create these lovely moments when you are like, wow, having the Earl solve problems is kind of a great thing. Mm -hmm. Or, I mean, God, the speech about how the valet needs to do his job Mm because we all do our job is just so terrible. Um, but also, like, we we do love these things. It's, it's one of the weird things for, like, I think when you grow up in the United States as an English speaker, you are a little bit fascinated by this world and its structures mm-hmm. and its systems, and, and yeah. I more so than mo- most children. But You saw Blackadder on our shelf. I don't <laughs> think we need to explain ourselves. Yes. Um, and then, like, uh, when I was doing my, my undergrad thesis, it was on, like, the British royal family. And it was, like, right at the time when Diana died. So all mm-hmm. of my research was done for me. I just fucking turned on the television. And <laughs> yeah, my research yeah. was there. But, like, everyone was like, oh, you must be an Anglophile. Like, they were proud of themselves for saying the word. And I feel like <laughs> any self-respecting Americans response has to be no that like greater intimacy with this system it is nice as a concept but the moment you start to think of yourself in it your reaction is who the fuck does this lady think she is yeah yeah no and you know 
we describe ourselves in the marketing as Anglophiles, but uh, no, but I mean, we don't, you know, we would never want to go back to this, you know, and well, and we'll get into that when we start talking about Manor House here in a minute, but I mean, to want to have a real nostalgic affection and genuinely say out loud to anyone, oh, I wish we could go back to that time. Things seemed simpler then. Things seemed easier. And it's like, but only if you fell into this very rarefied yeah. strata of society right um right. yeah i think we're more we're more anglologists than- <laughs> well, the thing is I, I, dude i'm totally an anglophile it's like 1919 they've got the second best political system on the planet like yeah. they've got a lot of things going for them yeah. like they have a big middle class and mm-hmm. they have you know like good checks on their people in power I respect Britain. I respect their legal traditions and everything like that. Also, nobody, I, I don't bow to anyone and mm-hmm. nobody gets a name and like a word in front of their name just because of something their grandfather did. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. um, and that means a lot to me. Also, <laughs> I, I do love, I do love that there's a space for homosexuality as long as you are a titled aristocrat or a handsome footman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Uh, they, watching Manor House today, <laughs> the, like the biggest response in my head was, "God, I would love a footman." <laughs> <laughs> Those boys, like the hall boy, is fucking adorable. He looks, yeah. he looks oh, like he's wearing makeup. <laughs> he's so saucy, though. He's 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 got a toot on him. That one. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we've segged fairly naturally, yes. Let us go back to Manderston and and talk about these wacky folks. <laughs> This is uh, part three, The Servants' Revolt. Bloodless, fortunately. I was disappointed. I got very excited well, about the Well, I know, Tom. I was hoping for barricades and... That's Les Mis. It's coming out in <laughs> December. Uh, <laughs> but know. let's not get started on that. <laughs> yeah, so we open and it's four weeks into the experiment. And then had you seen any other Manor House prior to this? Uh, no, I had not. I had seen... Two of the British house shows, but not this one. I had okay. seen Edwardian House, and I had seen the one where they lived at like the turn of the century house. Okay, there um, would be Victorian. This is the Edwardian House. Oh no, no, I had then, seen um, I had seen Regency House. Okay, right? yes, okay. I was like, I knew Sorry. there was. I had seen Regency. I'm like, house. it's that one that the cousins always want us to do. And I, <laughs> and I had seen something in a city, and I think maybe I had seen a bit of this one because I remembered. Um, I, I just love when the British one explains to you what these people do in real life. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it gives you a picture of like what the British economy is like now. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and we were talking about that a little because in the beginning they're talking about sort of how, and we see this in Downton Abbey with Ethel leaving. Not, yeah. not Ethel. Gwen, I'm sorry. Yeah. The good one. The good ginger. Yeah. Uh, she had to go off and be on Game of Thrones. Yes, she did. Which I think is probably clearly a huge step up salary wise. Yes, yeah. But uh just, you know, her going off and being a secretary. And it was just sort of like weird, like white collar revolution that was happening. Yeah. And, you know, it became suddenly much harder to, you know, keep the servants underfoot. Uh, but even as this is happening, then you have all of these these modern people who have to live under that system. And they're uh, I love how upset they are because I think that they all went into it in good faith. And they wanted to do well. But the the disparity between the freedoms that they enjoy now and what would have been expected of them then is so huge that they're so angry about it. But also, you're just getting to be on a TV show. Like, the two scullery maids leaving, I'm like, don't you realize you're going to get to be on a TV show? Mm-hmm. And, like, for a period of time, have sex with disproportionately attractive people based right. on that. <laughs> that's, 
Is that not the whole point? I mean, I mean, you know, and you're British, so you've already kind of got things stacked against you. Yes, and also they have British television, so this is essentially Jersey Shore for them. Like everyone's watching it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, certainly some of the 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 footmen were very aware of that outcome. Oh, Charlie. Oh, Charlie and Rob. Don't even get me started. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, but I mean, and and so they're four weeks in, and they have had no days off. Which right. goes against something that we had seen. We saw like a there. There were a couple of newspaper articles that said that they would have days off. So maybe this is sort of what happens during this episode. Yeah, because they do eventually get sanctioned time off where they can go somewhere else. Because there were there was like half a day talk and like they seemed, yeah they seem to be negotiating for two half days. Yeah, or, 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 but and, but I mean a, I it think it seemed like. It seemed like when it all shook out that they got a half day a week. Which but see, was... and just my impression from that article was that because of labor laws or something like that, they oh. had to allow them a day off. But that may be incorrect on my part. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, you are you are doing something that, you know, much legal negotiation went into <laughs> yeah. preventing this exact scenario from happening. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> yes, and um, it, it was very interesting to watch. I only watched like half of the episode. I'm sorry. I'm generally good about doing homework for things like this. I'm, Stay your tweet, cousins. I, I'm very sorry. <laughs> but like seeing like at the table when they were so forcibly negotiating with the head butler, or just the butler. Um, but uh, it was weird because it's from such a strong British tradition of like these are people who were probably raised by people who cared a lot about being in unions and Mm -hmm. it's just so in their head and in their hearts Mm -hmm. that they get to negotiate and like their liberal party is called the labor party. Like, um, (laughs) like labor is such like an important part of, of their working class sense sensibility, like organized labor. Um, but it was, shouldn't you at least be trying to not talk back to the butler? Like, that's what this whole show yeah, is and about. I mean, and, it right. is, and this episode really draws a distinction between the junior staff who are in general younger yeah. and the senior staff who are people like the surprisingly O'Brien-esque ladies she's, maid. She's so <laughs> O'Brien and so ugly. One of the things I find most interesting about this show is, and I can't tell if it's an intentional choice or just British people are bad at making television, is... Um, like the the knight and lady of the manor are just so beige and like forty five, yes. and not there's nothing romantic or lovely about no, them. No, they're gross mm-hmm. to look at. Yes, and like when they were sitting in like their tweeds and their whole bodies were the same beige color, mm-hmm. and like he the guy's trying to be amusing about oh maybe we'll find out that there's some fire eaters or jugglers, and it's like fuck you, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they are. Yeah, it's so they're and it's just perfect, but. Ah, how immediately they were like, okay, we're like, th- th- it's fake. You're not really the lord of the manor, but yes, they- but they live in a country where this real thing actually happens, which would make you think that you would be even more aware of the mm-hmm. fact that it's fake. Don't call yourself sir. There are actual sirs who are around <laughs> right. here. No, and and they're just uh, they're the worst. I mean, we keep, every week we try to find a new thing to say about them, but yes. they have just bottomed out. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it would be super fun. I saw that lady getting into her carriage, and she was super enjoying her hat and scarf and thing. Right. Um, and, and wouldn't we all have? Um, but uh, one thing that was, I didn't see the, the later half. Did, was there any extent to which the Lord of the House attempted to use his position to sort of put 
the lower staff in their place. Yes. Did you not see where he yelled at them? No, I didn't. Okay. Oh, he did. Yeah. So what? Here's what happened. Like this is the basic arc of the, the episode. And then okay. we can just kind of free associate. Right. I'm so sorry. That's it's okay. Right. We like to change it up. Okay. It's nice yeah. to not have to do a straight recap. Okay. So basically. They kept bugging and bugging and bugging Mr. Edgar the butler uh-huh. until he went to uh, Lord O.C. We call them Lord and Lady O.C. Okay. About this days off thing. And so he secured a half day off for the junior staff. Uh-huh. And they all got to get on a bicycle and ride into town. And they went and had dinner at the hotel. Uh-huh. And That's like the fancy place in town. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's not clear to what extent any of this is true. But somehow... <laughs> Word got back through Morrison, through the ladies' maid, uh-huh. to Lady O.C. that they had been carousing and acting as if they were the lords and ladies <laughs> at the hotel and drinking, what did she call it, whiskey? She called it something really archaic, like whiskey. No, they had malt whiskey. Malt whiskeys. <laughs> yeah. Malt whiskeys. But, like, you know, they, they were back in, like, a reasonable amount of time. Yes. You know, like, the allotted time, they didn't do anything like that. But, like, somehow, this all got blown, like, way, to me, it sounds like way out of proportion. Yeah. And so, Lord O.C. called everyone together in the Great Hall and gave one of those horrible, like, we gave you this freedom, and now you've thrown it in our faces, it like, and you've shamed Mandiston, and you shamed me and my beige wife. <laughs> it's like, there are times I look at my staff and I swell with pride. There are other times when I could cry with despair. And this is what I'm... They must have given him a period thesaurus. (laughs) Like, the producers clearly made this happen. Yeah. That just seems, like, so fake. And honestly, like, it's one of the the nice things about Downton Abbey is that Fellows does at least have enough of a nuanced sense of this world to understand that, like... The, aristo- the aristocrats well, yeah. paying attention to you is so significant and meaningful that them just kind of being nice to you is generally enough to mm-hmm. get you back in line. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. um, well, and there were there are the he acknowledges that there are these gray areas. Like, yes, this is the accepted way of doing things. You would never want anybody to see instances where you know I don't know where your valid is lame or whatever. Yes, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it is still reality. There were these strict codes, but people were still human. Yes, right. That's what I I, I had a note because there's. All the time, Derek Jacoby, at least twice in an episode, will say something like, in Edwardian times, you know, X would never have done Y. Yeah. And I'm like, never? Like, are you really sure about that? People got sick. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the other thing that we kept talking about, was the size of this staff relative to the size of the estate seems like they really lowballed it. Yeah. Like, it seems like there ought to be way more people because he's... Well, and I don't know, because they have, like, a charity bazaar at the end of the episode. They yeah. do get to the charity bazaar. And they had, actually, some socialist organizers come in. Oh, that's cute. Which was great. The the Clarion Cycling, Cycling Club, Club uh, which was great. So Sir John came up to kind of, like, interface with them a little bit. And he's saying, oh, you know, if I have eight million pounds and I give one pound to eight million people, and I'm like, dude, nobody's asking you to do that. Yeah. But way to completely fundamentally misunderstand the tenets of socialism. But but he's like, oh, you know, then these 300 people who work for me are out of a job. But I guess he must have been referring to the people who are working the land yeah. on the estate. Yeah. But uh, the, uh, the socialists were not having his shenanigans <laughs> at all. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, I think, you know, you say that the producers made this happen. Like, yes and no. It's kind of just a, uh, what was it, the Stanford Prison Experiment sort of thing. Where yeah. It's, where it's just you put them in the situation and you say, everybody, you have to do what they say. You, they have to do what you say. Now go. You know, you're going to, you're just going to fall into that 
Well, there's also probably an extent to which these people <laughs> have a cultural history in their heads and mm-hmm. have like gotten from their parents how this is supposed to work. And I mean, I don't know how posh and background uh, Lord and Lady OC are, but she's a doctor. He's doing well for himself. Clearly, they're at least like uppity middle class. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the things that fascinates me most about the British aristocracy is the extent to which like the titled aristocracy was super, super small until the 19th century, at which point in time, any dude who was making a good deal of money or made it into a decent spot in in the cabinet became an earl, which is why it is really funny to realize so many of these people who are walking around like with like a chip on their shoulder about being the, the fifth Viscount of something or other. It's like, yeah, because your great-great-grandfather's, like, textile mill did well after he moved there from Poland, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that is the the basis of the Manor House experiment, is that he is one of these people who's new money. Yeah. And I think that's a great way for them to go into it. I mean, it also helps the family playing the aristocrats get into it a bit more. Yes. Because I think it would be weird to try and ask somebody to get into the headspace of someone, you know, who fought on the battlefield in the 1400s. I'm the Duke of Norfolk. I have been here forever. (laughs) I like that they included a spinster aunt. Has she gotten to do anything? She has not done much as yet, but she, I think, does have quite a bit coming up in the the back end of the series. It doesn't involve uh, a late-in-life baby with a footman. It does not. (laughs) Uh, We will will not expound too much more on that in case anybody... Yeah, but... It, it's but I think I think we're safe in saying that in the course of this three month project, no one has a baby. Yes, I think no we're one not has a baby. Too much away. Somebody may get pregnant. I love Andrea. Andrea is so far and away my. F- Her name is Andrea, Andrea. isn't it? Antonia. Uh, Antonia. Antonia. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Antonia's got personality. She's actually doing the work. Like the the notion right. that she's yes. actually like washing all of the dishes as well. Right. Um, and like she never she never gets to see the sunlight. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that just made me so sad. Like I would and to be stuck down there with Monsieur Dubiard all day. It's like, uh, not only are you not seeing the sun, yeah, you're seeing him just constantly. <laughs> um, it was interesting to think about. Oh two-mile walk from church is the best thing that happens during my week. Mm-hmm. That was really weird because it would have been a time that, like, you know, the the housekeeper wasn't watching you or, you yeah. know, you didn't have to just be standing silently. Well, you know, they're not just saying it because it says so in their book. You can see them actually, like, smiling and enjoying Yeah, themselves. and not, cr- like, they're not crying for a change. Oh, right. Usually they're all crying. Yeah. So... Oh, and just, like, the amount of work and, like, I, they had a close-up on this, like, dirt ball yeah. at the beginning... Like that, uh, Rebecca was pulling out of the mop, and I was just like, "That's so gross." Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like one of the worst things I've ever seen. Uh, like, ever. it was foul. Was like, like, it's a it's a ridiculous situation of just enough technology, like just enough technology for everything to be super gross. Yes. Or like <laughs> when they were brushing out the steps, it's like, what the, f- like, how do steps get that much dust in mm-hmm. them? It doesn't make any sense. And then realizing they're burning fires everywhere, yeah. and yeah. Uh, it's that's tr- actually because I had thought that during this episode I'm like how could it be that dirty but it is the dust the the ash and the but about staff size you know there's been a lot of criticism of D- Downton Abbey asserting that they don't have a staff large enough to run that house oh really yeah. I wouldn't be surprised yeah well except I think you know I think that's what I've always thought that's why they always just throw in extras here and there yes. just to let you know that there's all these other people here they're getting the work done you know have you seen the Jennifer Saunders parodies 
No, no, we've seen several other ones because they're the Jennifer Saunders ones are multiple episode, right? Yes. Okay, so we haven't done that yet. But the Jennifer Saunders ones are wonderful because she just has people uh, walking <laughs> furiously around the kitchen table <laughs> and, um, to create it, the illusion that there's all these servants. Yes, it's just sort of like purposeless motion, <laughs> nice. and, and it's very charming. Yeah, Kelly. Yes, if, if you lived. In a great house, below stairs, what job would you want? I would probably want to be housekeeper. Uh-huh. I think, you know, assuming that my current, like, skill set and, like, that yeah. would carry over, that would probably be the best option for me. Because I think being a cook, I would, like, blow a gasket. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I, you know, I would, I would like to kind of get to that point where, you know, you have a parlor. And you have wine access. Yeah, like you, you have you, wine you, access. You've got a little bit of power. But it does feel like with Cook, you would get some degree of sort of like expression. And there would be... If I were in a smaller house, if I were yes. in a more middle class house, then I might want to be a cook because you do then get control over your own stores. Yeah. And it's just, it's a very different situation yes. than being a cook in a great house. And it's just so weird, like... Uh, there, the course of meal, like the the courses that they have to go through in a meal is so stylized, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just so you're kind of not getting to do anything fun. Yeah. You're just like, yeah. Well, the other thing about being a cook, and and to what extent this is just what I learned from like PG Woodhouse books, but it seems like they were much, uh, they're much more able to move from house to house if they want to, because every time their you know owner has guests that's a little advertisement for your own so you're not dependent that's, on a that's restaurant. very interesting yeah tom what about you i was thinking valid uh the reason being that i would want to be able to spend a decent amount of time upstairs with all the nice things yeah so i'd mm-hmm. want a job that, that kept me upstairs uh for you know a good a good amount of time yeah it's like i feel like the options are a little more fun for girls because you're getting to like do people's hair and for us it's pretty much you're either doing terrible work or like you're a footman and to be a footman you have to be like 6'2 and strapping and narrow of waist right right. um like i I don't know i I guess running the horses is like not so bad yeah um that's true yeah we never never see tristan there's we never do there is yeah he he is the stable boy but he's just never around he's just off in the stables um if I were going to be above stairs, I think I would want to be uh, an effete third son who um, came home after like going up to Cambridge and just like wouldn't even go go to the church. Like everybody's mm-hmm. like, you should, like can't, can't afford. I don't have access to my own place in in town. Can't afford to be in town on a regular basis and just spend all of my time bitching about how much fancier things are mm-hmm. in town during the season. <laughs> so you'd be like a like a less well off Algernon from uh, Importance of Being Earnest. Yes, type no, exactly. I would be bloated. That I would be. <laughs> uh, what about you, Kelly? Oh God, it's all shitty. Because uh, I mean, it's kind of all the same. Because your whole purpose is to pump out some babies, and then maybe if you're lucky, you're old yes. enough to be crotchety and spouting epigrams. It's 1905. You could go on to become a lesbian poetess uh, who's true. just married to a respectable publisher. I think it would depend on what, you know, what 
specific part of the Edwardian period I was of age in. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I would kind of like to go, you know, fuck around in Paris and be a libertine for a while. <laughs> I feel like I'd be that daughter. But but still semi-aggressive about your title when people address you. Like, yeah. Like two guys are banging you from either side and you're like, that is Lady Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Kelly's husband. That's quite all right. You're, you're new to the podcast. This is not. Uh, this is not unusual. Tom, yeah. if you were above stairs, who would you be? Um, I, I, I mean, I feel like you know, saying above stairs has kind of answered the question. I don't know. Yes. You know, like what? But what type would you be? What? What? What type? Like, what do you think you would be? Would you be good at? Like. Um, do you think a uh, second son who manages to to get the inheritance after his uh, his older son die older son dies in the Boer War? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know that that all sounds good. I suppose. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, be, like I say, I feel like uh, if if you're above stairs, you can uh, you can just pretty much do whatever you want, and that's I, I like that. But what about Sybil, Tom? What about Sybil? She'll be fine. <laughs> Oh, I would also like to point out that I would, uh, after mucking around in Paris, I would definitely marry a Sir Richard Carlyle type. I think we would get on famously. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, and what are the things... Actually, you know what? That's a good point. That's a very good point. That's what I'd want to be above stairs. Somebody that earned their money outside. and New money. Okay. Uh, that's uh, what I, yeah. bought, bought a house. Bought uh, a uh, house and title. There's a... I don't know how familiar with Gilbert and Sullivan you guys are. Um, Tom is very. <laughs> but I love in Pirates of Penzance when they're talking about his house and they're like, these ancestors here. And he's like, oh no, the ancestors came with the house. Like, yeah. They're my ancestors <laughs> now because I bought them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like poor old Marmaduke, yeah. Lady, Lady Rosamond's husband. Yeah. Oh, and I'd also actually, as far as below stairs, I would, depending on the exact time period, but sh- chauffeur That's before true. the upper class found out that driving was fine and anybody could do it. Yeah. Because it seems like you don't have to do anything. They yeah. don't drive that often. Yeah. And it's something of a dignified position of like, everybody's, anybody's excited to be in a car, you know? Yeah. 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 And they feel like you have all this like secret knowledge. So... We- Oh, sorry. There are fun jobs like gamesmen, and all of us are too bookish to like them. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's true. I would... So we also get something funky in this episode, which is Miss Anson, who is the spinster sister. Her first name is Avril, so we call her Levine. Okay. Yeah. We're just giving you the, the quick rundown, which yes. you hear all our Downton Abbey nicknames. Yes. We ought to make up a document or something. <laughs> but so she and uh, Lady O.C. Uh, come downstairs, Monsieur Dubiard. The mad French cook <laughs> brings them downstairs to see the conditions that everyone's working under yeah. and to kind of advocate. He's bringing them down to advocate for more staff, but it does also kind of serve to influence Sir John to give the other staff the half day off that then ends in disgrace. Right. So they're down there and, and, you know, it's, it's difficult to tell how much Lady O.C. didn't understand what was going on below stairs. Because that's been a big complaint from the below stairs people is that the upstairs people don't have a concept of how horrible it is. That's interesting. But I feel like it was Lady O.C.'s obligation to not go downstairs. She's a fucking lady of that house. Uh, she should have a housekeeper who can make that shit run. Derek Jacoby uh, pointed that out. And yeah. well, and, and Monsieur Dubiard should have alerted either Mrs. Davis, who's the yeah. housekeeper, or Mr. Edgar, the butler. 
but he but is... he plays by his own rules. None. Yeah. Like, he just oh. does not... Well, look, no. He holds himself to a very strict standard on the food. Like, he is very obsessed with getting the period food correct. Has right. Derek Jacoby told us how likely it would be to have a man French chef like that? He hasn't, but it came up previously, and that was fairly common, because people would go on holiday in France and yeah. bring a French chef back. Um, but, I mean... You know, what I've seen and what I think was more common was that it would be a female cook. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, and it was still a very hard profession to break into because you would need to be trained in pair, you know, or at least by a Parisian. Yeah. So it could be difficult to get the skill set, especially once, you know, the Edwardian era really kicked into like high gear. Yeah. And you had like, you know, swan ices and stuff. I loved the, I loved the little line about how throughout the Victorian age, everyone was doing well financially and they gave a lot of money. Then during the Edwardian age, everyone was making a lot of money and they spent it on themselves. Yes. Yeah. Well, I just think that's so fascinating that just it's a new king and he was just like, okay, you can be dicks now. And everybody's like, hooray! <laughs> well, I feel like we're going to have a little something of a crisis when Elizabeth dies, and I, I, f- I feel like the way we are able to approach the monarchy is different when there's a lady there, and when it's a dude. Well, and she's been the queen forever. Yes. And I mean, yeah. and she was around during World War II, and so much of what we conceive of as the British way of being and the British way of thinking yeah. is so tied up in her. And, yeah. and the whole stiff upper lip thing. And it's not that Charles has a personality as such. <laughs> it's just that, you know, we don't, we, you know, we equate him with extramarital affairs and sort of keeping up appearances. And Edward the, Edward the Seventh is a similar sort of like guy who spent a lot of time being dissolute and having That's really, true. really good collar studs um, <laughs> for a very long time. And then he has like a decade of being king and then he dies. And I really feel like, we're not realizing she's going to die and then Charles is going to die seven years later. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ladies got staying alive powers. It's true. Yeah. Well, and I think, I don't know. I think William's shaping up nicely. I think so. I, it's I, unfortunate his hair is going like It, it really, oh, I had such a crush on him when I was younger and yeah. I'm so sad the way that he's aging. Uh, and I can't like Harry just on uh, general principle. Sad, but hopefully not surprised. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I thought when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but the thing is, he's still adorable. I think Harry is super hot, and I like the fact that like William's like responsible, attractive, and is mm-hmm. doing it right. And I feel like both he and Kate have a very good sense of media relations. Yes, like, I think they do a great job. Like yeah. just seeing how much growing up watching Survivor means she's not going to die in a Paris tunnel um, yes. is very meaningful. Yes. But it, it is interesting watching the people in Manor House and how much they don't have a sense of reality television. Mm-hmm. This was yeah. very early on yeah. in the reality TV proceedings. What? It wasn't ubiquitous. It was 2001. They oh, were doing okay. the experiment during uh, September 11th, actually. Oh, really? Yes. So those people are seriously clueless. I just thought mm-hmm. it was British people aren't media savvy. No, I mean, yeah, no was... one was media. I mean, this is one of, you know, this is like early. We won't get into my comparisons to the real world because I already <laughs> did that on the first episode. But, uh, it, you know, these people haven't seen anything of yeah. what's happened in the past 11 years. So they don't realize that they're like Stanford Prison Experiment dick is such a thing that happens on reality shows. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and no, I mean, they just, and nobody was expecting it. Yeah. They, none of them, I think, were expecting to be affected by this in the way that they were affected by it. Yeah. And that's, that's a consistent thing, at least with the good versions of the house shows, mm-hmm. that just, just people really, you know, they know, they've seen everything on paper, they know what's expected of them, and that it just, 
completely... Which is why it's such compelling television, right. I think. I don't right. know if you were compelled, but we are very <laughs> compelled by this kind of thing. No, absolutely. It's, it's fascinating to see these people... In a, in a world that they so easily could have been born into, mm-hmm. just like not knowing what to do with it. Well, and I think it's a it's a fun way to kind of act out the whole you know those who don't do not remember history are doomed to repeat yeah. it, and taking it out of sort of this dusty you know school kind of thing, and and making it very alive. And I I, I very much love the way that two generations have fundamentally altered what people of their of their class expect no, out of absolutely. the world. And that's kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think... Good job, humanity. Yeah. I rarely say that. Yeah. Well, it's, again, one of those things where it's, you know, somebody saying... I think it was Lord O.C. or Mr. Edgar saying that asking for time off, like, it it simply wouldn't have occurred to you to... to or simply wouldn't have occurred to you to, like, talk back to the butler, yes. for example. And I was like, if that was true, then we'd still be living in this society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, it did occur to people, you know? And so, I you know, I think... You know, I do think that, yeah, certainly they're going beyond period, you know, to a fair amount in these with their modern sensibilities and desires. But at the same time, these conflicts were were actually happening. Mm-hmm. Like, well, and also, we only have a sense of the past through, like, movies and stuff that are showing it to us. And that is always going to show us the rule. It's never going to show us the exception. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, since we were discussing the current monarchy, this might be a good time to discuss Lady O.C.'s jaunt to the hospital, uh-huh. oh, uh, yeah. which I don't know if you saw that. Yes, I did. Okay. So she feels a bit like Princess Diana, which we <laughs> felt was in extraordinarily poor taste. Yes. It's like, wow, what about Gandhi? Do you also feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. Gandhi? <laughs> Mother Teresa, just anybody from that? Uh, no. There was a really, really good French and, uh, French and Saunders sketch from their, their sketch show where they would do this thing where they were like in a kitchen. One of them was reading a magazine and the other one would walk in and she would say, you want to know who has it all? And then they would just make jokes about a celebrity. But one uh-huh. time they did Princess Diana and it was like... Well, when she goes and sees the poor people with diseases, sometimes she touches them. Isn't uh-huh. she amazing? Yeah. And I just, it was the best kind of bitchiness about that condescension, which I think yes. as Americans rubs us even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, the word condescension, because that the word condescension wasn't always a negative thing. Right. It was, oh, you condescended to touch me. Thank you for that condescension. Like yeah. it was, Yeah. I mean, it was a response. It would have been one of her responsibilities at the time to go and sort of like attend to those people. And there, there is something nice about contemplating like, oh, what about this structure where they are responsible for these people? Well, and that's what I think you miss in Downton Abbey is that real relationship with the people on the estate because yeah. it would have been even at that late date. And you only get little, you know, snatches of it with you know Farmer Drake and and it's the best fucking thing on that show. Yeah. Is when um, <laughs> my friend, the Latin teacher, um, was Tell like... Tell friend we said salve. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he was like, his response to everything that went, went on at the infirmary or whatever uh-huh. it's called was like, yeah, Mrs. Crawley may be a trained nurse, um, but um, like the Dowager Countess is a local Chthonic goddess. Yes, like, she, absolutely. She like she's just been there so long that she looks at your hands and is like, "No, you were digging up rue. You have a rue allergy." Yeah. Well, right. and uh, what we also learned from this episode, which I wasn't entirely aware of, but Derek Jacoby says that in the Edwardian period, in Victorian period, there were more funded hospitals. Yeah. But then in the Edwardian period, it was only if a wealthy woman decided to open one which again plays into the whole thing with the dowager countess yeah but i just you know again i feel like this has many ramifications for our current 
situation in America, which we won't get into. But, but I mean, there's there's that situation of oh, wouldn't it be nice if like somebody cares, and if you are sick, he'll lower your rent, maybe if yeah, you're lucky, and, or if there's a bright kid, he may try to get him a scholarship. But I'm also always coming at it from the perspective of. I would have been a Jew, so no one would have cared about me. You yeah, know, that's like true. there, there, are, there are always people who are outside of this old school system, exactly. and that's why liberalism is a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. well, and I mean, and even then, I mean, if the family that runs the manor are a bunch of dicks, yeah. they're not going to bother to fund a hospital because that's the thing. I mean, I think we are in the sense that the Granthams are liberal at all. Yes, they aren't like not pissing on poor people to set them on, you know, to put out the fire. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, there were people who are much worse. Right. And yeah. I feel like we sort of get these hints. I mean, you know, these are the people who shun Lady Mary when the slightest whiff of scandal rears its head. Yes. Uh, and, and just people who don't care about their, their tenants. But I mean, a system where like we bitch about how our tax money is used now, but like back then the option, your tax money may go to pay for a hospital through a wealthy lady. Uh huh. Or it may go to a casino in Monte Carlo. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> or like we're going to add another shoot this year, just a couple more. You know, just have you know, because Edward would come through to those shoots. I'm sure. Uh, Do love hunting tweeds. Uh, they are so attractive. <laughs> like I, I kind of want some. Um, one of my favorite uh, regal strategies is going and staying too long at someone's house to make them spend a bunch of money on you. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see what else happened. It's a difficult trick to get away with for anyone that's not a king. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, like, hey, you gotta go. And I mean, uh, nobody did it better than uh, Louis the Fourteenth. That was always my favorite. Was the way that he would just totally like ream the landed aristocracy, and he'd be like, "Oh, hey, we know you don't have any money, but the posse's coming to stay for a while. What's up? I am showing up. I need rooms for my fifteen hundred dogs. Yes, they have expectations." Yeah. Well, even just beyond that, he told everybody, he was like, I know you all have your estates, but you all live in Versailles now. So yes. pack up. Yep. <laughs> Come on. Woo-woo. The party train's leaving. So, yeah, let's spend a little more time on, on Kenny. I think we need to talk, uh-huh. we need to talk about Kenny. <laughs> Very much so. So uh, Kenny, Kenny the hall boy. He's the yeah. hall boy. Okay, that he's, you. He's beautiful. He is beautiful. I think he's wearing fake eyelashes. <laughs> I think you might be right. Uh, well, I wonder if he's a club kid. That's how I feel about Kenny. I think he's yeah. totally a club kid. He's like got his pacifier like stashed under his bed. But he's so cleanly washed. Like, he is, yeah. it, it, which is amazing considering how filthy everything is. Yes. Yeah. They all is, don't look as dirty as I feel like they ought yeah, to. Yeah, I feel yeah, I feel like Hallboy in particular, you should really be, you know, you should be feeling it. Yeah. But he was so cheeky at the butler and it bothered <laughs> me. Yeah. Oh, no, it bothers me a bit. I mean, we're very much like team Mr. Edgar. Like he's a little bit dotty. He's yeah. a little bit he has some, some very severe issues with his grandfather that he's working out on this show. <laughs> that was the previous episode. What are his grandfather issues? His grandfather was sort of of this generation uh-huh. and just was a dick, basically. Yeah. But then he got that reinforced because he was like, oh, I'm going to try and treat them like my children. But he got burned did by... You, did you guys have asshole grandparents? Uh, not really. Middle of the road. They gave me a lot of candy. On the asshole spectrum. Mine were kind of, but I'm always like, 
they grew up in Arkansas in like the 30s. <laughs> yeah. It was probably terrible. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that's why they're dicks. Mine weren't emotional, but they were fine. Yeah. I mean, they measured everything, I think, kind of economically. So as long as everybody could kind of like support themselves, they were fine with you. Yes. No, they were just... Um, not nice. I'm also from California, so maybe had more expectations of sweetness yeah. and niceness out of grandparents mm. than you did. Yeah. Um, That's entirely possible. All right. I'm sorry for interrupting. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, yeah, but he just, you know, he was like treating uh, Charlie very uh, favorably. He was clearly his yeah. his his guy. And uh, it, you know, bit him in the butt. And so his conclusion was, oh, well, clearly I should be a dick like yeah. my grandfather was. But I kind of agree with him there. Because in this episode, you see... Both him and uh, Lord O.C. kind of reneging on previously stated rules and then getting angry when everybody wants to go the extra inch. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like rookie managerial mistakes. And yeah. and I know that Sir John is a businessman in real life. So I'm like, you have to have at least some of these strategies at your disposal. Yeah. And for Mr. Well, Edgar, I mean, it's like you already know that these guys are not going to respect what you say. Yeah. Well, but I mean, you know, what he's, I mean, he's in, this is so different than running a business. You know, in his business, he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to adhere to any rules of etiquette that aren't already natural I guess to that's him. true. You know. And also, here you're having to manage every aspect of someone's life. Like, at a business, you only need to get good work out of them for eight hours. Yeah. Right. right. Um, it seems like it's a whole lot more like running a fifth grade class or just, like, constantly... <sighs> or like a summer camp. ...micromanaging mm-hmm. them so that they don't um, get out of line. Yeah. Uh, it was very interesting, the uh, explanation of, like, how much they would be making. Because yes. it sounds preposterous, preposterous, but then there's... I'm always, like... Would it be kind of awesome to just know that somebody else is taking care of your housing and your food mm-hmm. and everything like that? Yeah, I mean, you know, on those conditions, no. But at the time, <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah. you can see why people thought it was a good deal. Yeah, that you always know where your next food is, your next Which... meal is coming from. You know, it's coming from the giant room of food. That <laughs> and, and if shit gets bad, there's a. This is the one house that has a giant room of food. Yeah, right. Uh, on Downton Abbey, it was very lovely to see a lady who had the baby with the officer and mm-hmm. like just sort of get a look at what her life would look like. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and we thought while watching this, uh, Antonia, your favorite, yes. Antonia was saying that she, you know if she had oh, been alive, a prostitute? she would become a prostitute. <laughs> and we were like, see Ethel, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, she said she said she wouldn't be so tired because she'd be on her back all the time. I was like. I think yeah, you, missed, that, you yeah. missed the walking part of street right. walking. But, you know, point taken. Um, but I, I did like, I thought that that was such an interesting statement because on the one hand, it's so e- Like my mom would be like, we as a country have turned into whores. Mm-hmm. Or like we as a people have turned into whores. And like everybody just wants an easy life and blah, blah, blah. And like I would say a little bit wage labor does make everyone whores because you have a sense of your own value and you mm-hmm. are marketing it to people. And I think that there's something like deeply small l liberal about saying yeah if if shit got really bad i'd sell the thing i've got and no yeah my own boss totally yeah well i mean she's you know she's viewing prostitution now the way she viewed her job on manor house prior to doing (laughs) manor house like you know she isn't really getting but nonetheless she's in there she's assessing the situation Mm -hmm. yeah she's Thinking critically, that is what PBS aspires to do. <laughs> I love how Antonia just always leaves the faucet running. Just every shot of the faucet, it's on. Yeah. And I, I'm like, is this just a defect? Because this is a period kitchen in a period house, which we learned again from Cousin Beckett. Very unusual. 
uh-huh. uh, both, and I don't know if you knew this, but both Downton Abbey and Gosford Park uh, had to shoot outside of the estates because their kitchens were modernized. Oh, a Sir Richard Carlyle type came in and gutted it and, yes. and modernized. Who wouldn't? Right. right? Yeah. Yes. You can't turn off the faucet, apparently. <laughs> so uh, are those done on sets or are they done? Uh, I don't know. I think they're sets. And okay, the so this place. Is it actually named Mander? What? Manderston. It's a real place. Yeah. So, I mean, is it being kept going by the National Trust? Because I saw the, like the buttery and stuff. Um, I would think so. I know a lot of times got- when they do these things, it is in something that's being kind of preserved. I, I, I have to imagine there are sixth graders who have to go there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if they brought the sixth graders like while this experiment is going on and like Rebecca's like. I fucking just want to go home in my fucking orange juice in my fucking pajamas. I like the idea of having an aristocracy petting zoo. <laughs> I guess it is like those like living history things. That's you know? a duke. <laughs> a duke says, I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, and they, they have the uh, charity bazaar, uh-huh. uh, which is similar to the garden party in yeah. Downton Abbey, but not yeah. quite. Uh, it's like a mashup of the garden party and the flower I, show. And I saw a reference to the cake wang, and I just want to: was there a cake wang, and was it a beautiful cake? We did not yeah. see any cake yeah, wang, yeah, which sadly. I thought was kind of a stupid idea. No, it's a stupid idea. I just want to see a, a beautiful period cake. Like, uh, I just want to. Yeah. Well, but that's like it's apparently an English thing because it was referenced oh, cake in that Michelin Web sketch. Oh, okay. That one time where James Bond was at a casino doing a guess the weight of a cake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Duly noted. Yeah. So it's when we eventually throw our up yours downstairs charity bazaar, <laughs> right. I, I feel like they don't have the being interesting technology that we have. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is one of the other things about the American Anglophile that you wouldn't want to actually go there. <laughs> oh, oh. So this is what everything looks like. Eh? <laughs> We're expected to do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm ready to go. Um, When's the trolley come? <laughs> uh, yeah, but they they. They relented because there was this whole thing about how because the lower service had gone and and screwed up, caroused, their families were not permitted to come to the bazaar. Yeah. And everybody, all the like upper service families were. And so all the lower servants got mad and said it wasn't fair of them to, you know, hold their families ransom. But I mean, that is something that I think that would be pretty accurate. Like if you had a day off, if you were going to see your family and you screwed up. You know, short of sacking you, I think they definitely would be like, well, you remember when you were going to go, like, see your family and they made all these plans? Yeah, you're not going to do that anymore. Yeah. But so. it was, I mean, there was so much going on. I mean, just, you know, Lord O.C. being, you know, as insufferable as always. Uh, and his wife says that, that this experiment has brought out the best in him. Yeah. And, and, like, does he, like, beat you when you're not doing this? I don't understand what could be worse than this. No, but... Like, he's just being boring for himself and her and the children, and now he's being boring for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She's getting a break from him now. She's like, oh, I only have to see him for a few meals a day. I was and- a little bit annoyed that of what I saw, I didn't get to see that much of what they're doing with their time. Well, and that's this episode in particular was a very downstairs-focused yes. one, which some of the others haven't been. Um, but, I mean, what kind of stuff do they do? She has to basically read through all of the etiquette papers uh-huh. that they have to cope with. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, it's not clear what he's doing. He right. met with a wine merchant one time. He seems to spend a lot of time fishing. Okay. Yes. Which uh-huh. seems we did reasonable. see him do that here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, using Kenny the Hall Boy's head as a stool 
uh, which was upsetting. Um, One of the great political battles of the late 19th, early 20th century was the prospect of Parliament having to meet during the grouse and salmon season. Yes. (laughs) All right. Oh, Parliament. No, that actually was. That was a great Kenny moment in this episode where he's... uh, uh, He's out fishing. Kenny's in the boat, just sort of like handing him things. Yeah, and he he has to walk past Kenny. And he like leans on his head as he's walking. And he's past like, "Hold him. still!" Right, <laughs> which was awful. And then we cut to Kenny just talking about it afterwards to the camera and just going on this great rant about how he looked like a pillock. How he looked like a pillock, and he didn't catch anything, and he was just getting his line all tangled up. And he said he'd never laughed so hard in his life. <laughs> That's awesome. Like the relationship that must have existed with those people of like having this person treat you like shit, but having such intimacy, uh-huh. like in all likelihood, like you've seen his dick and like, you know, or, and you've, you've heard them fuck or whatever. And like knowing them enough I, to, be, I don't to really think look they down do. at them. I don't think they, I think that ship sailed after Master Guy. They said, no, nope, no more. <laughs> It is the official policy of Up Yours Downstairs that they don't anymore, and thus nobody has to think about it. <laughs> no, and we got to see uh, some of Master Jaunty, uh, who we like to make fun of because his name's Jaunty. <laughs> yes. Like, come on, Jaunty. That's like, stupid. I know. But he, well, and he, they, they try to like use him as a pawn to smooth over all of this upset and tension with the servants because like they have to like set up a like a, a stall in the booths and whatever yeah and so jaunty comes and he's talking with one of the footmen about oh i can't have pims you know because the upper classes can't have ale so it's better for you to be in the downstairs and like whoever it was he was rob like it was like oh yeah you're right well it was, it was rob because it was the same rob that we saw earlier making fun of his girly laugh yeah <laughs> And saying he wanted to put a knife in all of their backs. It was spectacular. I mean, it was, it's class warfare in action. I think Monty Python would be thrilled. That's why all those Russians got set on fire. Right? Yeah. No, but it is interesting, like, because I, I feel like the two, you know, of sort of the five, like, Lord and Lady O.C. are really pretty much oblivious. Lady O.C. thinks that she isn't, but mm-hmm. she is. Guy's oblivious. Anyone who very, thinks she's like Princess Diana is right. oblivious. You really missed out on Guy. He's the little kid. Yes. You saw him like once. Yeah. He's so much fun. He's, you know, he's fallen right into the position, but in such a like unaffected, like, I'm in charge now. This is so much fun. I can yes. do whatever I, think, I want. I think Kenny is the equivalent of him downstairs because <laughs> Kenny's just calling it like he sees it the whole time. And yeah, Guy yeah. is as well. Yeah. And yeah. he's just this precocious little 10 year old. And yeah. in, in a very the help kind of way, I can understand how you don't like you are able to love the kids even though yes. they're entitled. And right. and that I mean that was what I mean that was what really happened, and that's what we've seen so far on this show yeah. is that they do really enjoy Master Guy, and I mean, because he's not he's not choosing anything. You yes. know, he doesn't have he literally doesn't have he has as little of a choice as they do about what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. And also. Um, in all of the recent talk about like school bullying and stuff like that, I feel like we always forget children are like a weak group. They are a marginalized mm-hmm. group. Yep. And because of that, like even though they are stupid and naive, they still have some of the understanding of the world that comes with being a member of a marginalized oh, totally. group. Yeah. Which in many ways is just having a very clear understanding of power relationships mm-hmm. and being very ready to talk about well, them. Well, that's what I remember from being a kid. And any time a grown up would say, oh, I wish I was a kid again. You've got it lucky, you know, because we don't have jobs or whatever. I'd be like... You don't remember, like, because the world is full of people that are three times as big as you yeah. that can, you know, tell you what to do. Like, how is that having it all? Uh, I would like to have recesses, though. <laughs> yeah, 
I thought that was the internet now. <laughs> God, it's true. It's just an all-day recess. No, I maintain the fundamental difference between people who went to college and didn't go to college is, like, you get paid the same amount, but if you went to college, you have a job where you can dick around on the internet yep. for, like, four yep. hours a day. Yep, 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 yep. I hope no one that works with me... Well, anybody who works with me that's listening to this is doing the exact same thing. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the majority of what happened this episode. You guys, well, I, I just want to say I'm so sorry for not properly doing my homework. I try to be a good podcast guest, and I apologize. That's okay. Your your personality is making up. It really has just been... Yeah. Well, and we've, we've been well, able to have very high-level historical discussions with you, is which true. isn't always the case. Right. Well, I mean, I think to talk a little bit more about just the Morrison situation right. that I think we didn't really get into, uh, because, again, it seems like what happened is that she ratted them out and then said to their faces that, no, she didn't yeah. tell them. That's not how they heard. But we think that she did. That's and so O'Brien. It is. No, because I had been a fan of hers, and I had forgotten about this, because we had seen the whole series prior to this, yeah. but, like, I had totally forgotten that she finked on them like that, and, yeah. like... She, you know, in this episode too, revealed this whole thing. Like they went when they went to the hospital, she was worried someone was going to look like her nana who had been in service but like was now dead or something, and just yes. like started crying. I'm like, you aren't cleaning disgusting hairballs out of a mop. I don't want to see you crying. Yeah. Well, I mean, as she said earlier, when everybody else is complaining, she's like, I think my job's great. This is fantastic. And and yeah, but then she ratted them out, and then they confronted her about it, and she's like, that's not what happened. But there was no other way that it could have happened. Yeah. And then she was crying afterwards. She says, like, being in school and being bullied. And I'm like, you know what? I bet this is exactly like being at school for you, Mm -hmm. tattling on your friends, them getting mad at you. Yeah. The fact that this is O'Brien-y, I think, is reflective of a structural, something structural. Mm -hmm. And I think it does, like Derek Jacoby was saying, oh, she's sort of like on on both sides Mm -hmm. of it. And the question is sort of in your head, well, why aren't the men in corollary situations? There is no valet here. But even a valet... And I think the difference there is that women's clothes and hair were so much more involved. Mm -hmm. Yes. That the ladies' maid spent way more time with her... You know, master than the valet necessarily would. Have. Absolutely, that's just like an hour and a half together. And also, when you're having to like reposition before dinner and everything, that uh-huh. means you're doing it in the morning, um, in the evening. And also, again, women are a marginalized group, mm-hmm. and I think it's easier to scapegoat. I think for yeah. sure. Um, well, I don't. Th- I don't think in Downton Abbey it's an accident that I mean, you know, not that O'Brien and Thomas aren't sort of classic villains, but I think yeah. at whatever level Julian Fellows has any concept <laughs> of a marginalized group, but I mean, O'Brien and Thomas are both marginalized, yeah. and they're you know the other, they're the ones who are hated below stairs. But even I think um, Lady Grantham is she's not the dude, she's not in charge, so mm-hmm. she's having to work intelligence games through O'Brien yeah, to try to have true. some sense of what's going on. And I do love in uh, Gosford Park when it's just so much more out in the open with Maggie Smith um, when her, her maid comes back and she's like, what's the gossip downstairs? Yep. Yep. What, like, what's oh. going on? Because, yeah. I mean, th- that's the good show. Yeah. Um, and, like, Gosford Park is a great movie, but and one of the best things about it is just capturing that moment of these people who only see each other every day mm-hmm. suddenly having all of these out of towners who understand their life perfectly mm-hmm. well and realizing everybody go fuck yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. yes <laughs> like my favorite i would i would choose to be that maid the maid that always got laid at gosford park um like 
fat maid. Or, yeah, fat maid. Uh, fat maid who gets fucked by super hot guy. Yeah, fat maid just, who gets... I love that. Yes, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, we also got two new cast members. That's right. Oh, okay. uh, so yeah, there's two new maids the, now. Yeah, their their whining did finally come to fruition. <laughs> Legitimate whining, but it was whining. Um, and it was weird actually because they were interviewing uh, the one maid, Erica Rabbits. Yes, and she was just like in jeans. And, yeah, just you know. plain clothes, and it yeah. was uh-huh. it was jarring to see because we've been seeing these people in their period yeah. dress for so long. Yeah. Um, or the whole time. You never saw anybody in their modern clothes. Yeah. But uh, her and a, a new scholarly maid, finally, mm-hmm. uh, whose name Ellen was... Beard, and she is a farmer's daughter, so they're hoping she's not going to, like, crap out within yeah. two days. Yeah. And Kenny, very excited. Oh, Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, they had this thing where it was edited really strangely. Right. I like, don't think the two things were related, but Kenny said he fantasizes about a situation where he makes all of the maids make him happy in very rude ways. <laughs> and I'm like, all of them? Cause... No, no, no. It was for Rhoda. <laughs> said, no, no, so... no. I know. But I mean, he was including all of them in the Rhoda. I, I, why wouldn't you? I, I'd say, okay, you know, fine. I it. guess I just, this is not my thing. I wouldn't hook up <laughs> with all the, I wouldn't hook up with Kenny. In the Rhoda? What's a Rhoda? Uh, like a, uh. Friend of Mary Tyler Moore? Oh, no. I know who that <laughs> Rhoda is. Uh, a, a rotation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So every, you know, Mondays it would be. Uh, you know, Rebecca and Tuesdays, it would be Jessica. Jessica. Oh, I didn't realize you guys were so normal as to this. Does Kelly have sister wives? Huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like competition. <laughs> um, so anyway, but then, then the next cut is him saying, oh, like, I really want to make it easy for the maids. Like, I want them to stay. And I'm thinking he's talking about, like... Right. Like yeah. sex things, and I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, was you're just, 19. I'm sure you don't last that long, but like, yeah. Well, it was just, it was a shame that that they did it that way because I'm pretty sure that when he was saying it, like, sort of in whatever context in his monologue he was in, it was clear that this was just something he fantasized about. Yeah. But the editing kind of made it seem like this was an actual plan that he had. <laughs> that this is going to work out. For I him. mean, he did manage to hammer through getting those days off. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> He's a persuasive young chap. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's uh, the the other main like you know plot development. Yeah, you know, apart from everybody does get to see their families. Uh, yeah, they relented in a again bad managerial move. Yeah, which actually because there was a scene with uh, Antonia and Mister Edgar where because she talked back to Lord OC at the big meeting to his at the hall, face to his face, which he was very like harumphing about, and so Mister Edgar said that she would have to write him a short note of apology. And she said that, you know, I don't feel like I did anything wrong, but I do feel like I went outside the period, and so I'll write a note, and I'm okay yeah. with that. And But I, I don't think that seeing our family is a privilege. I think it's a right. And Mr. Edgar was like, I agree with you. I also think it is a basic right. And so there was a, that was a good yeah. manager yes. moment. Where it's like, I'm with you. I'll work, you know, I'll work with the people upstairs as best I can. Because that's what you've got to be in the butler housekeeper situation. You have to, you know different amounts in different periods but to some extent the people below you have to feel that you're representing them mm-hmm. upstairs and also the people upstairs don't want to have to deal with the people downstairs so they want they want mr edgar to be able to figure these things out and to mm-hmm. solve them with the carrot and the stick mm-hmm. just right. so that it's not an issue i mean at the time i'm sure it would have been terribly terribly embarrassing for this woman to talk back to him i'm sure that she i'm, I'm sure that people must have talked back to people in mm-hmm. a way that ruined their lives or was just we didn't have psychoactive medications back then I'm sure people <laughs> were doing a lot of things yeah just gin <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. Well, and because they bring in also, they bring in this woman who was in service uh-huh. during the period. Must have been late in the period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they but, said they said seventy years ago, so it would have been like at Manderston. But like, oh, at really? this House. estate. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm sure they had this all lined up. They're like, all right, when it seems like they're all going to leave, we'll bring in this lady and be like, oh, look, history. Yeah. Uh, but she, you know, she was telling all these stories about how the put the butler would uh, like sexually. Uh, abuse her and how you know uh, a footman locked her in the silver closet so he could go to the movies and i'm not really clear on why yeah. she had to be locked in the silver closet so he could like he could have just left right but uh but in any case yeah just horrible things and uh her name was a uh, mrs winnie and it was just, i mean it was horrifying because it's still all kind of being presented and it's like oh this is a very toothless you know one of the things that's interesting to try to figure out on Downton Abbey is the extent to which these people having these jobs and being in these careers precludes having a marriage or sexual life in general it is almost completely that just doesn't seem tenable. I mean, is that a thing where people do it for a while and you either make it up the the ladder sometimes I mean uh, you know the housemaids we know from Downton Abbey and has been kind of corroborated, you know, they are not allowed to see men. Yeah. They're not permitted to do that. You know, the case of, of Anna and Mr. Bates is extremely unusual. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, they conduct themselves with like the highest propriety. And I think that would be the only situation where that would be okay. Well, and I wonder if there was a certain amount of that. If your parents back on the farm, knew some other parents with uh you know appropriately gendered and aged person yeah mm-hmm. they might say hey listen you want to quit that and come back here and get married maybe yeah you would, or maybe you wouldn't but that would pretty much be but i know just a lot of the upper servants that i've seen in various i mean they're not you know i don't think as as housekeeper i don't think you can be right um but i always wonder how much de facto fucking goes on it's the question i also have about like monasteries i was like to what extent was this just like a condo complex full of gay guys right or was this something that only happened once every 300 years i i do just always because i feel like there's no way for us to get a good solid picture of it through culture because sex is so taboo yeah uh even now with you know the mpaa and everything and and there's just but there's just no way to understand the mechanics of how it all would have worked. Yes. Because when there was no birth control, yes. Every time that you had sex with somebody, you were taking a huge risk. I mean as a woman, I mean as a man and, and, kind of sort and also, of like we just don't have recorded culture from women before exactly. like a, a certain point. And like and this isn't just recorded culture from women, it's like talking about the thing you would most want people to not know uh-huh. about. Right, right. No, I mean, well, and that's what I, I read this great book once by Gail Collins. It's kind of just a survey course, uh, but it's called America's Women. Yeah. But she talks about how there is just no real record of how women dealt with menstruation uh, prior to, like, mm, like 1920 or something like that because yeah. nobody would write it down, even yes. in their own personal diaries. Half of the world is doing this. Yes. We don't acknowledge it existing. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> also, gay people were invented in nineteen like seventy nine. Yeah, I, yeah, no, uh, no, before that, we just watched that Stonewall thing on the right, American right. Experience. Okay, so. okay. I'm sorry, <laughs> gay guys were inv- invented in nineteen sixty nine. Yes, that was the first time anybody ever heard of them, though. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you know, I mean, it's certainly from my understanding, this is getting back to before Edwardian times, but there were 
any number if you were of a certain class there were any number of ways that you would deal with a pregnancy you'd just be sick for a while mm-hmm. and then you'd show up with an orphan that yeah. happened to look like you and everybody would just be like oh what a funny coincidence and people were actually still doing that like in like golden era hollywood yeah mm-hmm. um yeah. uh two things first of all one of my like great big when i was like 17 we watched uh um not a room with you. Uh, the other one, Howard's End. Howard's End. We watched Howard's End, and like we're, I was watching with my mom, and Helen Bottom Carter had disappeared, and my mom was like, "Oh, she's pregnant," and I just like looked at her like she was a witch. I was like, <laughs> I was like "How did you know that?" And, uh-huh. and I was like, it was one of those first moments of sort of like understanding how you have to bring what you know of the world mm-hmm. into something to understand yep. it, mm-hmm. and it was great. Uh, the other thing is. Um, I, I am fascinated by the way that just practical infanticide was the way that people dealt with unwanted pregnancies. Yeah. Uh, in, uh, in England and Scotland, up until the recent past, it was mostly, it was Scotland. Um, if a baby suffocated in its first year, there was no investigation. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, oh, that's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, uh, took a German history class where like, there was a word for it in 18th century Germany for let the baby go to heaven. Um, Mm -hmm. That's a very German phrase. Uh, no, well, and it's it's funny to me because I mean it exists in all cultures. I remember yeah. once I think my family was like vacationing in Colorado and they were doing some sort of you know like let's look at this land we stole from the Native Americans and learn yeah. about their culture. But uh, they showed us this this flower that still grows there, and they said, oh, you know, Indian women if they got pregnant and they didn't have stores enough of food to get through the pregnancy and, and have the baby, they would eat this and the baby would die. And my mom was like so fine with that. Yeah, but like. I mean, my family has like a anti-abortion right. bumper stickers. So, and I just remember, even like as like a nine-year-old kid, I was like, "That's weird that you're fine with that." No, but my, my mom is essentially the exact same story. When mm-hmm. I was around twelve, um, she showed, she pointed out uh, wild cotton growing in our garden, mm-hmm. and like said, "If a lady's pregnant and she takes that, it'll kill a baby." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she would tell me stories about her grandmother. She always described her grandmother as a midwife, but it seemed like all her grandmother did was kill babies with penny royalty. <laughs> That's pretty uh, much what midwives were for, <laughs> honestly. But my mom is someone who is just vehemently like, like abortion is murder. I don't mm-hmm. believe in it. But has this attitude of, but you take care of what you need to take care of. Yeah. You need to take care of it. And it's like, you were, I don't understand how you understand the world. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. Women, man, right? <laughs> um. What else? I don't know. Well, I mean, we, you know, I that was like pretty much it. We had the charity bazaar, which they they ran it all through Instagram. It was kind of yeah, it was all sepia toned and yeah. like it was really weird and like it looked boring. It didn't yeah. look like fun to go yeah. to. It didn't. And well, you know, the socialists showed up and they sang the red flag song, which was exciting. Right. Yeah. World War One garden party seemed like it would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had ice cream. They might have, depending on the chef. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um. They had that champagne sorbet. They did have earlier. a champagne sorbet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I want champagne sorbet right now. <laughs> uh, but they, they, we did see, uh, you know, Lord OC awkwardly mingling with the crowd, and again in one of these voiceovers where he's talking about, oh, getting to know the people of the estate and all this sort of thing. <laughs> it's like they all actually live here. You are pretending to be here for a few months. He like he shoved a teddy bear in a little girl's face. Yeah, it was so weird. Yeah, it was really odd. It's like, why would you do that? Like, it was just he went like because usually he's just hateable, but this like he seemed like a badly programmed robot. <laughs> 
just like wandering around. It was strange. Olaf Cooper but wants to feel love. <laughs> yeah. So and then the socialists came and all the servants sang the socialist anthem with them. I feel like anytime you ask uh, a British person to like be emotionally effusive, they respond like a badly programmed robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That explains but- Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> P.S. I love Christopher Eccleston. Don't get mad at me, Hoovians. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and uh, so there, there was just sort of that and an awkward dis- conversation. Uh, Mr. Edgar also uh, opposed to socialism. Yes, uh, very much he, so. He doesn't like to see things getting all unsettled, which it is It is funny how rich white men don't like when things get upset. Yeah, they really it's, dislike it. It yeah. seems to ruffle... Something very deep and profound in them. Though the trope of the beloved servants opposing socialism or being on the side of their master, even when their master is poor, um, I always think is troublesome. Yeah, it's like thinking, uh, it's like, you know, the Gone with the Wind problem of like Mammy being like, no, Miss Scarlet, we want to stay with you. Yes. And we think that this war is horrible and that we should never be free. I mean, it's Stockholm Syndrome. I get it. Um, but well, and it's what if if the you know appearance and glory of the estate that you're working on, if its prominence in the world and state state therein isn't a worthwhile goal, then what have you spent your entire life? Yeah, with? it's that's bridge true. on the river Kwai. It's bridge on. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah, it, like at least I made that bridge, regardless of mm-hmm. who it's for. But he changed his mind at that. Spoilers. <laughs> yes, and I, <laughs> like I I feel like. I would probably be more in touch with my rage and maybe at that moment when they were down be I don't know but when you work with someone that much you love them. Yeah, you know? no, it's and I've been in that situation before in countless shitty retail jobs. Yeah. But uh where you're like oh it's so important the boss and the boss wants it and you know even though I'm hungover I'm going to give it like 57%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean I you know it's hard to say how much of it was editing, but I thought this was a very cohesive episode uh, in terms of like the themes. It all yeah. hung together very well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I mean that's why you know it was very downstairs uh, centered mm-hmm. because they had a like they had a good clear story going. Well, on. and this is what's great because there are people who've commented like on iTunes reviews and stuff that you know we haven't focused enough on the downstairs aspect of things, and I think that this show actually focuses way more on the downstairs because any soap opera. Uh, treatment of of this time period is gonna kind of by necessity be all about like upstairs. No, the dress is exactly yeah. yeah. Whereas you know this is PBS and it's gritty and it's real kind <laughs> of except when they're in the, gritty and real in sepia tone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that said, Footman and Hallboy, I'm gonna say both of them prettier than Thomas. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's not. I don't get. There are people who have written to us who have big crushes on Thomas. I don't get it. I, he's very attractive, and him him being gay in first episode, did, right? I was like, like he show. is attractive, but I just I don't wait wait. I'm, did I misunderstand what's happening? You're saying Thomas is more attractive than all of them? No, or no, no, the no, other no, way. I, I'm, okay, I'm saying the two boys from Manor House are both more. Okay, attractive than I would Thomas. agree yeah. with you. No, I would agree Thomas with you. Attractive. We think that he looks like the love child of Christian Bale and a weasel. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an attractive no, weasel, baby. I'll buy that. People. If it was necessary for the part, Christian Bale would do it. Yes. <laughs> Just don't make eye contact with him while he's doing it. What don't you fucking understand, Weasel? Uh, so here's what I want to ask before we wrap up. What is your position on Bates? Oh, 
Um, I find Bates and Anna to be a boring storyline. Cool. I'm not particularly interested in it. I don't like people who are that noble and perfect in every situation. The thing I like about both Edith and Mary is that they've made stupid choices for reasons I understand. Mm-hmm. And like, the thing is, is my mom's favorite character is Anna. Her favorite storyline mm-hmm. is Bates and Anna. And like, moms don't want emotional complexity out of anyone. Um, but you know, I, like, I love Lady Mary. Yeah, no, and I think that's the divide. Because yeah. we have a lot of people who write and say, I love your podcast even though you hate Bates. Yes. Uh, and now we actively hate Bates because if you've watched this series twice through, I maintain... <laughs> I'm sorry, are, are you implying that I haven't watched this? Okay, I, I, don't, I don't know your life. Okay. I don't know what you do. Okay. <laughs> I, would say, I don't know, I mean, you, you could just have this on a loop in your, in your apartment. Like, ah! I've watched it a lot. Okay. Yeah. But like, you know, we get, we get what is appealing about Bates and it. We can't stress this enough, cousins. We get what's appealing <laughs> about it. We just reject it out of hand. It's just yeah. not the kind of story we're interested in. Yeah. Oh. We're interested in everything it's getting the, crazy. They it's, love each other and they're good and that lady is being mean to them. Oh no. Well, and it's just, I mean, Bates t- is that form of selfless that comes around and finds selfish on the other side. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's what well, bothers and, me about it. You know, it. and also it's less so about hating the actor or like the performance. It's just Julian Fellows giving them a crap storyline. Uh, yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you make a really good point that it's his nobility is just so impractical. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the number of times he's like left the sh- left the manor because he has to he has so much responsibility and he can't possibly and it's like Come Well and this down. is what I love have you seen the Fallon parody yes that's what I love so much about how they do the Bates character on there because they give him they understand what it is about the Bates character that we find so hilarious yes. and so much fun to hate yes. is, you know, with his like iron foot and, <laughs> and just like no no it has to be done properly yeah despite the fact that you're the least qualified person to be doing anything that you're doing yeah god um <laughs> Uh, like when when he stumbled a little bit while serving, that was hilarious. Also, O'Brien making him fall, S- <laughs> such a bitch move, but so awesome. Yeah. No, do you like O'Brien? Uh, no. Okay. Okay. Here's here's my problem with O'Brien. It comes down to when Lady Cora got pregnant. Right. I was like. You blew my mind. Uh-huh. Oh my god, you're fucking up all of this. And the fact that that little fetus only lasted a couple of weeks, yeah. like because of her and mm-hmm. that stupid piece of soap. Yes, I can never love O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, she's understandable, and also I don't like her curls. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't think anybody likes her curls. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about does it for. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having us. Please remember, everybody, please follow at Guy Branham on Twitter. Yes. And uh, if I do this again, I will do better homework. I promise. All right. All right. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, so that's been uh, Manor House Episode 3, The Servants Revolt. We will be back in two weeks' time, cousins. So hang in there. And until next time, up up yours yours downstairs. downstairs.